Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the book of Isaiah, and we are continuing the theme from yesterday of justice and injustice. And so we are in chapter 1, verse 21, through chapter 2, verse 5, where we read this. See how Jerusalem, once so faithful, has become a prostitute? Once the home of justice and righteousness, she is now filled with murderers. Once like pure silver, you have now become like worthless slag. Once so pure, you are now like watered-down wine. Your leaders are rebels, the companions of thieves. All of them love bribes and demand payoffs, but they refuse to defend the cause of orphans or fight for the rights of widows. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, the mighty one of Israel says, I will take revenge on my enemies and pay back my foes. I will raise my fist against you. I will melt you down and skim off your slag. I will remove all your impurities. Then I will give you good judges again and wise counselors like you used to have. Then Jerusalem will again be called home of justice and the faithful city. Zion will be restored by justice. Those who repent will be revived by righteousness. But rebels and sinners will be completely destroyed, and those who desert the Lord will be consumed. You will be ashamed of your idol worship in groves of sacred oaks. You will blush because you worshipped in gardens dedicated to idols. You will be like a great tree with withered leaves, like a garden without water. The strongest among you will disappear like straw. Their evil deeds will be like the spark that sets it on fire. They and their evil works will burn up together, and no one will be able to put out the fire. This is a vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, his word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I think uh, there's some famous verses in here, though maybe uh, they're probably familiar in slightly different wording, slightly different translation. Um, just overall, I, the, the thing I see most clearly here is in uh, chapter one, the end of chapter one, we see uh, the continuation of this theme of injustice, but especially those who are in authority who misuse their power. They take bribes and whatnot, and they enrich themselves, but they don't care for those that they're they're truly supposed to protect. And so there is injustice. And the word there in uh, for justice in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 21, is the same root uh, that for, for God's justice in chapter 2, verse 4, although it, in English here it's translated mediate, but the same idea that there's this way that humans use their authority, that we, without God, use our authority uh, and we make a mockery of justice. We create this real kind of injustice. We have blood on our hands. It creates all kinds of problems. But the, we, it's contrasted with God's ultimate vision of justice, which will be established one day, uh, it, you know, in the end of human governments, in the beginning of God's government, it'll be established one day that uh, 
Human beings will train for war no more. God will mediate between nations, will we'll make things right. There'll be this, uh, this uh, shalom, this kind of um, abundance and, and well-being that'll be brought about from God's type of justice. And in the contrast between those two, I see this invitation for us to begin even now to engage in the kind of justice that God's desire that God desires to begin to work in concert with God towards the creating of this kind of shalom that's promised for one day that eventually that God's kind of judgment God's kind of justice leads to true true justice and peace and just the fact that we are in constant conflict with one another the fact that we put our own agendas above God's agenda and our own agendas above each other leads to this kind of conflict i think this endless conflict is a sign of the the ultimate kind of conflict we have with God that we're not willing to, all of us in many ways, are not willing to submit to God's authority, God's proper use of authority, rather than our improper use of authority where we try to advance our own agendas. So I think I see this kind of eschatological, eschatological meaning looking to the end times, looking to the end of things. There's this eschatological vision here that, that Jesus is going to tap into in many ways, and Jesus is the, certainly going to be the one who who brings this about. But it's it's painted as this vision of a future that God is inviting them into and inviting us into. So, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage today. So, uh, you know, I, I just what struck me in verse 21 in the beginning, right? Jerusalem, once so faithful, has become a prostitute. Uh, and of course, that language, like, whoa, that's a little stark. And, you know, as, as somebody who is in marriage, you give your whole self to a person. And what is it you want back? Their whole selves, right? You're, you're giving something sacred for something sacred, right? You're, you're giving yourself, but you're honoring your actual, your, the Imago Dei, right? You're, it, the sacredness of you. That's sort of this profound gift. And I think what happens, you know, the, the sad situation of a prostitute is they're giving something sacred for something that is not sacred, right? For something that's it's not worth it. Uh, you know, for money uh, in, in most cases. And and I think that's, I actually think really, um, you know, I think there are a lot of us, we, we would recoil rightly, I think, against this language, but that we've given ourselves for something less than God, less than intimacy, less than what we're created for. We, we've been willing to be bought off for money, right, for privilege, for security or comfort or power. And there's a way that that actually cheapens us. Uh, so anyway, I, I see that there in, in verse one. Um, here again, you know, I'm, I'm also thinking, and I mentioned this a little bit yesterday, but uh, so oftentimes we, we, we see some of the hard things that God has to say in the Old Testament. And it contributes to that um, kind of aphorism, right? Everybody knows like the Old Testament God is mean and about judgment. And the New Testament God's all about love. Uh, and yet that's completely untrue. And it's so evident here in Isaiah in these early chapters where God is saying hard things to people who are doing evil. God's calling it out, saying it like it is. But in the last, uh, yesterday's devotion, we ended with that whole, um, you know, though your sins are like scarlet, uh, they will be, they will be white as snow, right? That, that God is longing to, to heal us and redeem us. And we see this here again. Right, verse twenty-seven. Zion will be restored by justice, uh, and then verse, especially in chapter two, the last section we read. In the last days, the mountains, the mountain of the Lord's house, which is really you know where Jerusalem is, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above all other hills. 
Uh, and there's going to be this, this sort of utopian promise of God's goodness, of God's restoration. And I think the reason this is important is God is not looking to punish people. God is, is actually looking to heal people, to purify people, to rescue us. And I think in the same way with, with our own children, you know, sometimes I have to punish them, not because I'm, I'm so, you know, just, this is outrageous. I'm so angry. No, no, no. That's actually a really wrong time to punish my kids. The right time to punish is when I'm now so full of love for them that I want something better for them than what they are settling for. And so I punish them to say, hey, this direction you want, it's self-destructive and I'm going to rescue you from it. It'd be easier for me just to ignore you and let you go do your own thing. Like, whatever, you be you. Uh, but that's not, as a parent, I can't do that. No, 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 no. I love you way too much for that. I'm not going to just turn you over to your own foolishness. I, I'm actually going to discipline you, not for my good, but for your good. And that's really the spirit that I hear. And so that's why I think anybody who, who talks about how the Old Testament God is just full of wrath and anger, you're like, you have not read much of the Old Testament because that is not the God that I meet there. Um, I just point out you know, uh, quickly that just like in yesterday's passage where he talked about, you know, wash your hands and, you know, be clean. First he says, stop doing bad. But then he says, you know, start doing good, learn to do good. And he specifically says, care for the orphans and the widows, right? The people who in that society had no access to care for themselves, right? Just, you know, in their economic system, if you weren't connected to a, a father or a husband, you just, you didn't have access to means. That was the thing. And so they were saying, in this system, there's got to be mercy and kindness that goes from all of us to those people who are going to end up being excluded by a system like this. And, and so in that case, it, it's orphans and widows. And we see that same thing here again. The, the condemnation of their, their leaders is not that they weren't really savvy or that they you know, didn't come up with clever policies. No, the problem was that they refused to defend the cause of orphans or fight for the rights of widows. Right? That's what leaders are supposed to be doing, especially these political leaders, uh, the, the, the justice, you know, the court leaders in courts and, and all that kind of stuff. That's really what their call is. Uh, and finally, and you said how this passage has a whole bunch of pretty familiar phrases that we've heard along the way. Uh, but that beautiful dream, they will hammer their swords, right, the tools that were used for violence, into plowshares. So they're now being used for work productivity, to feed and to nourish. Their spears will be uh, into pruning hooks, right? So that now you can actually just bring more and more abundance. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Like what a beautiful vision of the world that is. And, and I would say in this spirit, right, this is what God says he's going to do. But we now are a part of God's family. And this is why Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, it's not the peace lovers. All of us love peace. It's blessed are the peacemakers, the ones who actually go and create peace, who resolve conflicts, who who step in in those places. And that can be true if you're in you know work for the UN, and it can equally be true if you're in your own family, or among two disputing parties, two friends of yours who are kind of just not willing to speak to each other. If we are peacemakers, if we're bringing healing. We're doing the work of God. Excuse me. Yeah, I love how you put that. And I really think that fits in with the conclusion of this passage that there's this invitation, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. 
Um, yep. And to use whatever talents we have, like, you know, the, the, the whole notion about the, the officials who take bribes rather than helping the cause of the widows and orphans. Well, why would they, what's the contrast there is, well, you're using your position that you don't deserve. It's given to you by God. It's not, it, you don't own it, right? Authority comes from God, but you're using it to enrich yourself. You're using it to bless yourself. So it could just not, not just be authority, but any gift that God gives us, using it to just enrich yourself instead of helping to enrich others, to lift others up, just lifting up yourself instead. And that's kind of the heart of, of injustice. You pay attention to those who can make your situation better and you fail to pay attention to those whom you're supposed to make their situation better. And I think that's the call uh, here in, in making peace, uh, not just individually, but societally and maybe even internationally and, and to walk in the light of the Lord. You know, I think it is so easy in any of our jobs to start to think, okay, how can this job serve me? You know, I'm going to make some money. I'm going to store up for my retirement. Maybe I'll get some, you know, good vacation time, whatever. Uh, and yet the reason almost every job exists is it's, it's, uh, it's honoring the uh, opportunity to serve others, right? That it's serving things that people need. And so if you're the CEO of a company or if you work at McDonald's, right, both of those are opportunities to serve others. And if we can have that spirit of service rather than the spirit of entitlement and being served, uh, using others to serve me, not only are we going to experience more joy, I think, and more freedom in our lives, right? Just more sense of delight in our work. Uh, but actually, that's where we get to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And so whatever it is that you do for work, can you go into that today seeking to serve rather than be served, right? Seeking to to actually contribute to the flourishing of others rather than simply being concerned with the flourishing of ourselves. I think that right there is, is kind of the first step in, in sort of joining the kingdom of God. Well, let me pray for us with that in mind. Our good and gracious God, we thank you that you are the ultimate servant. We see in Jesus, the one who took on the nature of a servant and Lord, we pray that uh, we would see uh, ministry not as something so much that we have to do, but rather something that we get to do, that there's this wonderful invitation where we can participate with you in serving the world, that we get to join with you. Lord, I, I thank you for Jesus's example in this, and I thank you so much for this invitation. May we all take it seriously. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, we love having you join us. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow as we continue our study of Isaiah.